Clubhouse. Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year round? Well, do we have a podcast for you? Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Whoa, 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 Clark. We're keeping this show family-friendly. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to week 33 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. This week we're talking about Arthur Christmas, the 2011 3D animated movie from Sony Animation Pictures and Ardman Animation. Ardman, I had never actually heard of, but I you definitely know their movies. Uh, they do Wallace and Gromit movies. They do Chicken Run. They did the Sean, Sean the Sheep movie, Flushed Away. They have a very distinct look about them. They do. Well, there's a lot of stuff in here that looks both like Wallace and Gromit and Sean the Sheep, but also like the guy from Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs. I actually think Arthur looks a lot like the characters from that movie, too. He absolutely does, yes. You know, I'm not, you know, I think of Sony Animation, I always think of the Smurf. Oh, okay. uh, and I, which is funny because I'm actually not a huge fan of that animation style, but I actually really like this, though. Uh, I liked it better than I thought it was going to. OK, I'm excited to figure out why that is. We'll work it out together. <laughs> I, 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 We're going to work it out together. I was left with that feeling, but I'm not really quite sure why. Anyway, okay. uh, this is based on a screenplay by Peter Bainham, who did Borat, which is kind of a funny fit for a guy who did this family kids movie. But he also then the year after this does Hotel Transylvania. And Sarah Smith. Uh, this was also directed by Sarah Smith. This is her first uh, movie. This is her directorial debut. And it was co-directed by Barry Cook, who I didn't recognize the name, but he was the co-director on Mulan, the Disney okay. massive hit Mulan from like 1998. So we have a lot of people here who have done a lot of things that we would all recognize. Yes. Yeah. They, they definitely threw like the pedigree at it. Uh, it was released on November 11th, 2011 in the United Kingdom and uh, November 23rd, 2011 in the United States. So it's getting that Thanksgiving run up to Christmas release window. Very framed up to be a good Christmas movie. Very much so. You want to hit us with that one-sentence plot? Sure. Okay, so our one-sentence plot is Santa's clumsy son, Arthur, sets out on a mission with Grand Santa to give out a present they misplaced to a young girl in less than two hours. Yeah, the timing is all sorts of wonky in this, but it's a kid's movie, it so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, this movie is, is definitely chock full of magic and uh, Christmas magic and, and joy, and, and it's about the kids, and it's definitely a kid's movie. I was reading the IMDb Goofs section, which is always something I check uh, just in case there's actually something interesting there or something worth bringing up. And it's so sad. The cynicism and lack of imagination and just... I don't know, fun ruiners that take the time to point out just the silliest things that clearly are not important to this animated movie. No kidding. Uh, what, yeah. what are they what are they complaining about? Brioni claims that she wrapped 264,000 presents in three days, even working nonstop. This would be just over one every second, which isn't possible. 
Oh, gosh. They're magic elves. Come on now. Exactly. Like, why would you take the time to go and stop and do that? I think you, I think you've missed the point of the movie, sir or madam. <laughs> uh, right. wh- whoever sat there with their calculator figuring out uh, Brioni's uh, rapping per, per minute timing. That's crazy. Yeah, but overall, though, you know, people did not agree with the curmudgeon on IMDb because on a $100 million budget, this movie made more than $147 million at the box office worldwide. Not a huge hit here in the United States. It only made, I think, like 46, 47 million. But uh, internationally, and presumably mostly in the UK, because this is a very British film. Very British Made film. over $100 million worldwide. Uh, so not a huge hit in the United States. But I don't think any of those Ardman movies are. If you like IT crowd, if you like all those BBC humor kind of things like that, you need to have the right audience when you're sitting down here. Shaun of the Dead, which is not a Christmas movie nor animated. But it's also very British in its humor. Very. And the Wallace and the Gromit. I bet if you like Mr. Bean, you're probably going to like it. But a stacked cast, though, nonetheless. Granted, a lot of British actors, mostly British actors. But you've got James McAvoy uh, as the voice of Arthur. You've got Hugh Laurie, House. Dr. Gregory mm-hmm. House himself as Stephen Claus using his normal accent. Bill Nye as Grand Santa. Jim Broadbent as Malcolm Claus. Amilda Staunton as Margaret Claus. Ashley Jensen as Brioni Shelfley. Huge, just huge stack. And the number of people, I don't know if you looked down in the notes, look at look at the line of some of the lead elf voices. These are people who have no discernible role in the movie other than just being a background voice artist. I think that Joan Cusack makes me laugh the hardest. Andy Serkis, uh, 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 Smeagol, uh, uh, Golem is is the voice of one of the lead elves. Robbie Coltrane, I don't know how big a Harry Potter fan you are, but Robbie Coltrane is a known figure to Harry Potter fans because he plays Hagrid in the Harry Potter movies. Well, he's a good fit for this, I feel like. Absolutely, absolutely. I gotta tell you, I'd like to start with the one of the most minor of the lead characters, okay. Margaret Claus. Because okay. she's voiced by Amelda Staunton. And so I'm watching the movie and there was something about her I did not like. And I didn't know why, because everything she was kind of doing on screen was very like long suffering wife and trying to be supportive of her husband, who is a little too full of himself and a little too old and a little too doddering. But there was something about her I didn't like. And can I tell you why I realized what it was after the movie's over and I saw the voice cast list? Oh, it's a voice cast list. OK, well, I'm guessing you're you're going to have an issue with the voice. I had an issue with the voice. Melda um, is famously brought uh, Dolores Umbridge to life, the character Dolores Umbridge from the Harry Potter movies, because over the course of eight movies, every British actor has been in a Harry Potter movie. Famously did Dolores Umbridge, who is personally the worst human being ever depicted in fiction. She is oh, worse yeah. than Lord Voldemort. She is worse than every villain in Harry Potter. Dolores Umbridge is the worst human ever. And so her voice is ingrained in my brain as this horrible woman. And so I was having like a Pavlovian response to her voice, which had nothing to do with what the character was doing on screen. So I feel bad for Imelda Staunton. I apologize to her. I think I think she did a wonderful job here, but I hate and despise her voice with the passion and fire of a thousand sums. So. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I thought that this was a version of Mrs. Claus mixed in with what we talked about with the Christmas story, you know, a couple episodes ago about having the mom wife role be the one that like has never sat down for a hot meal or like how she wraps her own present, gives it to Santa and Santa hands it back to her. Like that entire exchange was like, oh my God, like, is this happening? Like this, 
this was an interesting movie because it had some stuff in here that was pretty pretty thick with misogyny. It was there's some stuff in here that uh, I had some issues with. Yeah. Yes, yes, very much yes. I, I we jumped way ahead. This movie came out in 2011. Uh Tom was only 3. Uh, this is not a movie I had ever seen before. It's not a movie I'm pretty sure he's ever seen before. I've definitely never showed it to him. I'm curious, your kiddos would have been a bit older at that point. Is this a movie that exists in the Daily House? Is it something you had seen before? It is something that I am positive that I went to a movie theater and was in a seat when it was playing. Um, <laughs> but I do not remember it whatsoever. I remember the poster and, I, and, and my kids are movie kids. So whatever was coming out that week, they definitely wanted to see it. So it didn't have to be, you know, this is one I'm desperate to see. It's just this is the kid movie that came out this week. So we went to the movies often. Um, it was a great time to catch up on some sleep for me. And uh, I could just, you know, not be in charge for five minutes. And so I was all good with it. So this one, it's not like it is in any way a traditional movie for us to watch. But it was on my general radar for like, yeah, I've, I've, I know about that movie generally. This is, especially for an animated movie, is a really atypical telling of the Santa Christmas story. Well, I would say that it was a modernized version in many ways in terms of like the mix of technology and and how do you really get it done? You know, I think that it was it it answers a question that is age old that comes, you know, it's the, the first question you ask about Santa, right, is how does he get around the world in one night? How does he get presents to everybody? It's impossible. And so this offered a very, like, you know, modern answer to that. To that end, the drawing that opens the movie of Gwen, uh, that Gwen Hines made of Santa on fire, made me laugh out loud. I thought it was very funny. (laughs) You know, Gwen's little neighborhood reminded me a ton of Anna and the Apocalypse's neighborhood. Yes! Me too! Very much so. And then again, I was also like, oh, yeah, Britain. Americans, right. I was going to say, now as Americans, we just assume that's where everybody lives like that. The two British movies we've done in this one. Everyone, everyone, they all live on a cul-de-sac for sure. Yeah, and then their houses look the same. Their space generally the same. And yes, yeah, very funny. But, you know, there are, there are a lot of themes in here. I think this movie is trying to do a bunch of things about Christmas. But I was interested. I thought it was just the overall reimagining of the Christmas lore that Santa isn't a single immortal man. Rather, it is a title that's kind of passed down like king or queen which again so british uh but mm. it's 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 a hereditary dynasty it's a it's a monarchy of the north yes. pole as it were going back 2000 years the entire structure of this movie felt like it was you know trying to mirror the royalty basically you know the monarchy generally and so i mean every single character i mean i think that mrs claus looked an awful lot like you know any of the of the queen moms of a uh, different years just right? missing and, corgis but yes yeah, for sure basically I mean, and then same with Grandpa, you know, Grand Santa, same deal. I felt like that. And then you had these two sons who were like basically the princes waiting to be tapped as heir. It was all very prim and proper as well. Like, you know, having a walnut and a pat on the back, that meant that went a long way, um, way back. And and it just, it had all that stiff upper lip British vibe. Very much so. I mean, down to the point that they're going to take the S1 out towards the end of the movie. And the one thing she takes is like a pot of tea. Yeah with her she's like we've got tea we're fine i mean it's super british super british there's no no starbucks in this movie (laughs) i was okay with this santa lore because i am okay with this 
idea that a lot of people help Santa mm-hmm. and that it isn't just one man doing everything. So I'm okay with this general reimagining of, well, of course, Santa has this entire empire yeah. of, you know, tech, it's a, it's a savvy business. little it's, it's elves. A, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a multinational it's like a corporation. It's a multinational corporation. It's, a, it's, it's huge. And Santa, we believe. Oh, and Santa, we believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did you see what I put that in my notes there? No, I, didn't. Uh, I wasn't looking at that. Rites and rituals. I mean, having yeah. a giant, having Santa appear at a podium with that giant banner hanging up in Santa, we believe, is super cult-like. Oh, cult-like? You're funny. Oh, okay. oh it's That's very cult-like. It's it's the Church of Santa. It's, it's this is... It definitely a, a is the mi- Church of Santa. I felt that vibe. A million, it's a, I, I watched some feature Reddit. It's like a million elves make up uh the this conglomerate this multinational corporation they all slobber at the feet of santa it's the rites and rituals and this guy is up there i mean he's not goose stepping but he's cheersing himself he's i did this he's kind of a megalomaniac but also he is completely over the hill and ill-equipped for the job i do not like this santa i i I do not like this i'm I'm getting you don't like him i definitely feel like the whole hanging on to it I, i was getting a real succession vibe specifically mm. when they dropped all the balloons basically on accident and he hadn't you know announced steve as the as the next santa and it said congratulations steve and the way that santa holds the balloon in his hand and hands it to steve and then it smacks him on the back mm-hmm. that little that vignette alone is so un-santa for me yeah. that i like cringed i was like santa would never do that he would never knowingly break someone else's spirit like that that that's just not santa it's not but santa santa malcolm uh santa steve they've all lost the thread here i mean we we have to play this clip because this sets up there's two dynamics i think at play in this movie there is old versus new relics versus modernity but then there is the business of Christmas versus the joy of Christmas. Yeah, I was going to say the spirit of Christmas, right? The and, and even can I throw this one out? I'm going to throw out the efficiency for, of Christmas versus the spirit and like love of Christmas. And what your motivations are, because even Grand Santa, who it, at his core, you can tell is there for the spirit of Christmas. Even him in his in his advanced age, his 136 plus years advanced age, has lost the thread a bit because he's really trying to do this. He's on this mission be- for himself, not for Gwen. So there's a, I mean, there's a lot of, of pull and push in this movie, but this this clip from Steve explaining his view of Christmas, I think is a, is a good starting point. It's impossible. But this child. It's a margin of error of 0.000000015148344%, sir. Wow. I mean, hello? Where's the champagne? My department has delivered the most outstanding Christmas ever. Oh. Uh, well done, us. But there's a child without a present. Arthur, Christmas is not a time for emotion. We will get 47785BXK a present within the window of Christmas. We'll messenger the item. It'll be there in five days. But that'll ruin the magic. <laughs> if there was any way at all to make the drop tonight, but it can't be done. Your brother knows about these things. I won't sleep easy after this, Arthur. But there it is. Can't be done. 
Yeah, no. We just had Frosty Santa <laughs> telling us you never give up, no. right? It, it can't be that there's not enough time. We always have hope. The elves actually are, you know, really bring it home later on when when they get word that this idea of one child and that's that's an okay, that's an acceptable loss. And the elves collectively are just aghast at this. This is like right before Steve like quits and and walks off and the elves rightly start saying if one child doesn't matter which child is it you know they start talking about the child in greece a a child in denmark a child in the united states a child in china like what child like if we're if we're if we're at the point where we're gonna say one child doesn't matter if that's an acceptable miss your your peak proficiency even though it goes out to nine decimal places is acceptable like what child arthur has a great line he says gwen's gonna think that she's the one kid that santa doesn't care about imagine imagine being that child when that little nerdy elf was like oh children are stupid they're gonna either not notice which what or they're or they're gonna think they're bad so either either way win-win Peter is problematic as an elf. Peter, you are horrible. Yes. I mean, it's unfortunate they paint Peter, uh, who is the uh, LGBTQ representation in this movie, as such a unlikable, simpering character. Uh, Yeah. His, his, I mean, he is Steve, but like even worse, the way sidekicks are always, right? Because they want to impress the one that they're uh, infatuated with. And so they go so much further than even the person that they're infatuated with would go right trying to get their their acceptance it's unfortunate uh yeah peter is problematic i don't like peter either i I don't like the only one i like in this movie is arthur and the animals embryoni that's it i think everyone else in this movie has just lost the thread Uh, on top of this idea i mean steve says christmas is not a time for emotion my head exploded my head exploded Okay, but here's the thing i think it's meant to be that way i think there's nothing well i don't think that everyone would say of course of course i think some people would be like well wait i'm supposed to dislike everyone else in the movie except for arthur christmas i mean we're we're saying including santa and mrs claus like we're supposed to dislike everybody i mean that's a pretty unusual setup so i don't think it's a given that most people will understand that but it is set up that way where everybody has their reasons for for santa and mrs claus it seems like they're just worn out right i I think they're representing different sections of society Mm -hmm. there's the group of people who are just so worn out and have done this so many times 70 christmases that they're just doing this out of like almost just like habit it's not even anything they're thinking about there's no there's no thought put in the gift between Mr. and Mrs. Claus. There's no, he's not staying up late worrying about the one kid, all those things. And then there's that sector, the Steves of the world. You've seen these these shoppers and they're mostly women who are like so calculated and have done it so well. And it's like three quarters of a cup of eggnog plus one gift plus one thing, you know, equals a happy Christmas. And it's like this huge, you know, just math equation that they've turned into. And then you have the, the people who like kind of go 
a little bit crazier and hang on to these like old traditions that may or may not really make a lot of sense anymore. Even maybe they've forgotten why they do certain traditions. Like, oh yeah, this is like this is like an old generation of reindeer. Okay, so here's some of their names. I remember Dancer. I sort of remember. I mean, then that's John Bambi. and Bambi and what's and the, you the, the, <laughs> and all that. The one with the white ear. <laughs> all of that stuff. Like, don't you know that sector of the population too? Or is like, I don't remember why we do this or light this candle or whatever. We're just right. doing it now out of just sheer tradition and we don't know. And then there's the Arthurs, the people who feel it through and through, who live it like you, Mike, who live it all the time, who love the 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 entire tradition of Christmas and the spirit that goes with it. You know, his little work center is adorable. And the fact that he is the letter reader and, and responder to me is like, that's the like love in the heart of Christmas, you know? I, I agree with you, and I, I should qualify my statement about Santa. I actually like Mrs. Claus, despite the misogyny she is confronted with constantly in this movie. I mean, when Grant, Grant Santa has a line, uh, you know, there was a time then uh, we believed that we couldn't teach women to read. Like, oh, my uh, God. But, I, like, fell off the couch <laughs> when that part happened. But, but the worst line for me is Santa, when he's giving his cult speech, his banana dictatorship speech in front of his big banner that we believe in Santa. He said he's thanking, I'm air quoting, he's thanking the minions, his family that work for him. And he says to Margaret, his wife, it's our really first introduction to her, uh, the things that women do. Like that's the that is the sum of Margaret's contribution to the while the men are at work while the men are at Don't work forget, while yeah. the men are at work yeah yep. uh, so lots of problems and with that this 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 mindless things we do yeah and so so misogyny aside which we shouldn't put it aside but for purposes of this, of this conversation I think Santa and Mrs Claus represent when the fight has just been out of you because all their depictions of Santa and I think the image of Santa that Arthur has of his father is that santa at a younger age when he would have stayed up all night when he would have moved heaven and you know earth to make sure gwen got it but he's just beaten down he's he doesn't have the fight in him anymore and i got the impression that mrs claus is at the stage of her life where kind of like mama spade and heels is so over Christmas dominating her life for so long, she just wants to enjoy the retirement stage of life where they could just be a couple together and she just wants to worry about her kids. She doesn't want to worry about Christmas anymore. You know, they've just moved past being able to deal with the fight. Uh, it, it, so it's more like the spirit of Christmas has burned out in them versus Steve where the spirit of Christmas just doesn't exist in him. But I have a person in my life who is like this, who treats it so much like it's a to-do list. And it's just, it's all these calculations and it's all these things. Like it's not, they do think they have the spirit of Christmas completely. They don't, they're not like down on Christmas, but it's just, they treat it like it's this mission to be accomplished. It's this military maneuver that we have to do. And then once we do it, everybody gets a medal and, you know, we've, we've, We've conquered Christmas, you know, sure. instead of enjoying Christmas. Sure. But when you're at the point where you refer to kids as seven alpha, alphanumeric uh, numbers, I'm 100% with you. You have lost the thread <laughs> on Christmas. And and that's an important yes. part of that cynics, uh, that cynic list that we played is not only the statement that Christmas isn't in a time isn't a time for emotion, Arthur. It's 
uh, you know, B271BXK will receive her present. Like, no, no, that's Gwen Hines. That's right. Gwen Hines in, in Trullo. You know, that's not a number. And that's an important distinction. As an important distinction, as Arthur learns and realizes later on, this idea that Santa isn't a man. Santa isn't Malcolm. It isn't Steve. It isn't him. It isn't Grand Santa. Santa is an idea, is a magical idea. The opening minutes of this movie, Arthur, in his reply letter to Gwen, is establishing that this is magic. That Santa gets around the world because of his special magic. And magic plays, again, like all of the best Christmas movies that we've seen so far in this podcast. Magic is a big part of that. Uh, and, and I love that the movie talks about that, though, because I think that is an important lesson. This picture, this, this drawing, it isn't of Dad. Or you, or Steve. This is Santa. <laughs> and as long as we get the bike to Gwen before she wakes up, then Santa came. And he cares. <laughs> and then the old reindeer comes and drops the uh, the slipper off that he fetched from the ocean. Apparently, very yeah. cute. So <laughs> that that that, uh, that reindeer is like half reindeer, half pooch. Yes, very, and you so know, cute. rises to the occasion. I mean, there's a part where oh, yeah. he, you know, he's he's feeling his oats. He's he's been reinvigorated when he gets his magic dust on him and he's flying again. I mean, he he looks he looks fifty years younger. That reindeer. I love that scene. I love I love all of that. Let's talk about some of the older adult-friendly stuff, right? Because kids are okay. not going to go see this movies by themselves, right? You're going to be sitting on the couch with with your kids watching this. So, are there were there any things in this that made you laugh as an adult watching this that maybe it would go over a kid's head? Oh boy, I say I was noticing the silliest of things to be honest with you. Like when the when the ship went over and and turned it like to nighttime because it's painted with like the sky and the stars and stuff over Gwen's, and so that kept it nighttime in the area they were working. Yeah, I was like. I, I I did one of those like oh like I actually did that and then, yeah. like my son was like looking at me like like you're crazy I was like that's very clever to like make it seem like it's always like wherever you're working if a kid wakes up it's still nighttime like very clever yeah, you bring the darkness clever. with you yeah, uh, yeah so that was kind of like I don't know if that's I don't know if that was only a, an adult thing to notice but that was something that really caught my eye um, other things I I snickered when uh, Steve's suit was Versace that was like that made me laugh made me laugh very much. <laughs> Too, because also very on brand for the character that we had really just been introduced to, uh, yes. you know, that he already had. And you know, you know me, so I like to, uh, I, I admire a man's beard. And so I was, I was kind of chortling to myself when I realized the first time I realized Steve's beard was like a Christmas tree. I don't know why that just really tickled me in the moment. That's very funny. I don't even think I picked up on that. I, I... It's very funny the way that it's shaped. It's funny. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I laughed a bit uh, during the mission accomplished. Again, I, I this the the saddest speech in the in the hangar really mm-hmm. stuck with me. It's one of the set pieces that really like there's a there's a bunch going on here. The mission accomplished speech that he gives here made me laugh hard, so hard, and kids wouldn't understand it. But this is Brits being their cheekiest best, right? Because they're clearly poking fun at George Bush's 2003 speech from uh, the USS Lincoln when he gave his mission an accomplished speech you know about the war and the new war in iraq being uh done and that we had we had accomplished what we meant to do which 
did not age well. Like almost immediately, the, the Brits obviously having a lot of fun here with that moment made me laugh. And but also, I think in their way, sending signals at least to the adults anyway on forming the idea of who Santa is here, this current Santa, this Malcolm Santa, this twentieth Santa. Uh, yeah, so that made me laugh a lot, and something that kids would definitely probably not pick up on. I agree. I, I just I think even the just the concept of the succession line and the and the you know if you're a British kid, maybe you're not understanding everything or not really maybe not understanding is not the right word but maybe you're not picking up on you know the king won't won't give up the crown kind of feel um but as adults i mean i think that you're you're seeing all that you know you're catching up on all that i do have a question for you what i mean i assume it's an adult joke an adult joke only but everything with the um that his christmas sweater and his slippers and everything were made in china and that is like repeated how many times he like mentions different things were made in china what do you feel about that i i only noticed it about the slippers when he lifts them up and he says they're made in china that made me laugh just because i know in america there's always there's always a made in the usa label at some point every year that that is a thing of where that came from and parents forever i mean i know my parents anyway used to grouse about everything being made in china or made in taiwan uh if you flipped it over like little plastic toys i i I took it like that it it, it reminded me of something like my father would have said but in a negative way and arthur and and arthur is saying it in like a look how we're like a global world kind of thing is that what you think how he was i had no idea what the intent was behind that comment I, I yeah, I think maybe it, it was just kind of factual, <laughs> but it seemed like, huh, okay. I mean, I still think the vast majority of the things that we use is are, are made in China, especially toys, right? Well, especially, I mean, especially toys. toys. So I was sure. like, okay, all right, where are we going with this? I didn't know. I didn't also know if it was maybe a comment on like countries that celebrate Christmas versus don't. And so, is it you know, is it a ha ha little moment or something that a uh, you know a country that doesn't celebrate Christmas as widely as other areas would be the one to be making all of the Christmas items like is there something to that i admit i think there's something to that and it's also like those slippers are like horrendous like they're i don't know <laughs> there's some kind of like I like monster they're so funny well, they're funny but they're like monsters but they but they play like they have audio chips that play they're reindeer cr- they're not monsters <laughs> <laughs> they were not easily discernible as reindeer, but the, just this idea that they play, uh, you know, uh, Christmas carols. Just I don't know. It just it struck me as something kind of just like whimsical. Like, and, and I think just being cheeky. I think I think just you know they're made in China, which is a weird line. But oh, back to the Santa has lost the thread and the meaning of Christmas in bed with with Mrs. Claus. On top of the fact that he makes her wrap the family presents and then hands her back her own present, which is I think there are a ton of moms out there that have experienced this and very Christmas story, I think is a dead on comparison. It reminded me of the ref. I don't know if you picked up on me because we had just covered the ref, but he's talking about presents for the, for not Margaret. He says it's checks for the boys and cash for dad, meaning grand Santa, Santa, you're mm-hmm. Santa and you're giving checks and cash to your loved ones. We've talked a bunch of times on this podcast Maybe not in a while, but if you go back to our early episodes, I don't like that. I don't like envelopes of cash and checks and gift cards. Buy me something that you think I will like. I don't care if it's cheap. I don't care if it's stupid. If you think I'll like it and it costs 99 cents, I will take that a thousand times over a thousand dollars. There's something so cold and impersonal about gift giving cash and checks at Christmas time to me. I, I, it's it's just a thing. I I, I it, it, 
It, it, make, it makes us go because I know how you feel, so I'm being quiet, and letting you getting out, get it all out. My because my parents reached an age where they stopped giving us presents, and my sisters who were a bit older than me, they were five and seven years older than me. I remember they were happy about it. There came a point where my parents stopped trying to buy them clothes, the, the latest fashion uh, denim fashions, and they just started giving them kind of gift cards to the mall and stuff. And my parents and my sisters were happy about that. They used to infuriate me on behalf of my sisters, and then my parents would start giving me like gift cards to like electronic boutique where i would buy my video games when i was a kid or to like target or and stuff like that for the express but well you go buy your own video game no 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 you've all lost the thread you've forgotten what it's about it's about i think you would like this thing whether or not i would actually like it isn't the point it's you thought about it and then you did it and you thought it would make me happy that is enough to make me happy. I don't care what the thing is. Well, so what I'm hearing you say is that it's actually you want the person to take the time to think about you that year and think about what is it that Mike would like and what what is he into this year and and maybe even have a conversation with you to like check in with you and be like, what are you feeling like? How What are you into? What do you like? And yeah. it's I- that but it's not the present. It's the, it's that act. It's the process it's, of stopping and thinking about the person and really caring to do something that you think they would like. If you guys have listened to our The Ref episode, which is the one that came out right before this, there is a rant in there that I talk about the intent behind the fruitcakes. It's mm-hmm. the same idea. It's yeah. not the fruitcakes. It's the intent of the fruitcakes. Why are you giving the fruitcakes? What's your intent behind it? It's all about the intent for me. This is a weird one for me because I agree with you wholeheartedly on on the gift card portion. Although sometimes you know someone is doing something specific in their house or something. Like maybe they, sure. you know they want of to course. redo something. And so you give them a gift card because you're like, I would like to help you do that. But I, you know, but I know you need to make your own choices. Can I pause you right there though? Can I yes. pause you right there, yes. though? Yes. What's the difference between what you just said and the scenario I laid out? Oh, God. This is like a like a quiz. Uh, part it's, of it, I mean, of it's course. The it's the intent. It's oh, yeah, the intent. Yeah. You're gi- in your scenario, you're giving them money or a gift card towards a project you know they're doing because you know the intent is... I think this will make their thing happy because that's what they need. That's like the thing they're going for. Right. It's not or help like, them complete their project that I know they're working on. Right. You're not blindly giving them cash. Go, very go, true. go use it whatever you want. No, you're doing it for a purpose, a stated intent. That's the difference. So I'm having this middle ground issue and I'd like you to weigh in on it. I'm having a middle ground issue where I am of the same age and general stage of life, generally, of several members of my of my family. And I have certain people in my life who would normally, normally sit and think about me individually and purchase me a gift. But in the last couple of years, because I'm of the same age and stage of several other women, they have been giving the same gift to all three of us. And not just like one gift, but like several different gifts, but they're all the same gift. And guess what? Yes, we're all of the same general age and stage within like a decade, but we're very different people things we like to do what our activities are what what our just our general like humor levels are or whatever our personalities are very different and it's making me i'm not i'm not having as big of a reaction as you are with the with just like getting a check but i'm definitely feeling eyebrow raising like i I feel 
somewhat annoyed or something? Is that yeah. wrong? No, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. You're 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 being graded because the intent behind it has evaporated. You you were just mm. being lumped in, in as female. Yeah, uh, slipper size uh, female X H. You are slipper size medium. Like I would be husky boxer brief. Oh god, uh, boxer short. <laughs> Okay, guys, you have to go listen to our The Ref episode. This all makes sense. <laughs> exactly. I didn't realize Arthur Christmas was going to be The Ref Part 2, but it all makes sense. Yeah, it's and all a little bit you have to watch out because The Ref is an R-rated yes, podcast. Yes, do not so, listen to that with your kids. Yes, we so, use lots so, of bad uh, language. So you may have missed that one. You're 100% right. Now, is it fair to say that, especially parents and grandparents, they reach a certain age where the idea of just give them checks just give them cash santa in bed you're just you're maybe you're just tired of the thing i mean i guess you have to balance that but i'm not really talking about 90 year old nana i'm not i'm not that's not who i'm really that's not the ire behind here you know i i can't imagine my grandmother as she was reaching 102 going out and thinking about things that i would have liked i wouldn't want her to have done that you know i didn't want anything for my for my grandmother when she turned 102 at this point i just wanted her to keep living and i'm not saying it's my grandma that does this so just to be clear i'm not either i'm talking about people of, of you know I'm, I'm actually talking about malcolm and and margaret in this movie there's a little bit of a defense there when you've reached a certain age and it just becomes so hard to to think about that if things were different you would spend time with the intent of it all my anger really is more when parents are younger and they've given up in this kind of way or siblings or friends stuff like that Put some effort into it. That's all I'm saying. It's 10 different people. Take the time to learn some distinguishing feature between the 10 people and buy something. Even if you're going to buy the same thing, at least try and tailor it a little bit so you can say, I got you this one because of X reason. Show right. some intent behind it. Not not ju- not a Steve chicken off boxes. I'm being hella efficient. Some people, though, they really, really, really pride themselves on their efficiency at Christmas. They no, will say that, that we have accomplished this. Like, I'll give you another example. Another one was my grandma makes these Boston brown breads. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, she, her heart is in it. She, this is not the fruitcake thing. She, she genuinely wants to give this. She, she feels it. these people love them and she really wants, she, like, it horrifies her that they would go a year without eating this. Boston brown bread. Now, here's the thing. She has gotten much older and she really can't do this anymore. And some members of the family are like, just give it up. Don't do it anymore. And this past year, I was like, you know what? Okay. She's not capable of standing for long periods of time in the kitchen. Okay. However, there's lots of us. Why don't I have like a little get together at my house and we can like have snack, lunch, whatever. Kids can help. People can come and go. So you don't have to stay the whole time, but like other, other moms in the family can come and go bring kids as you can and everybody lend a hand and we can kind of do it in larger batches and that kind of stuff. Cause we'll have multiple people. It worked great. And in one afternoon, literally at one afternoon, we did what she was trying to accomplish in weeks and it would, it would take her weeks to do this. And she loved it because everybody was helping. Everyone was there. And, and the idea of like just throwing it out because she couldn't do it anymore was like way too unkind you know so i i feel like there's there's parts to that like let's make it efficient that can still be done lovingly you know like like i feel like we were making that process efficient do you think steve is referring to little gwen hines as a seven letter alphanumeric code with any sense of love 
No, it's just efficiency. And that's what, that's what I'm saying, though. For right. those people who are listening to us and are, like, saying, maybe bristling and saying, well, I'm the parent who really gets my spreadsheet out and I am knocking it out. You like, think I don't have, have a spreadsheet that? for Christmas? I always have a spreadsheet. I love the, the, the strike-through feature. The strike-through feature <laughs> is my favorite gosh darn thing <laughs> on a Microsoft Word program. I love making a list. I love checking stuff off of a list. Oh my god. You did, You almost said checking it twice. You were so close. You said I love making the list. I love checking it off. Yeah, I did. I <laughs> paused, I, it even flashed in my brain. That's why there's a little bit of a pause there. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> funny. Yeah, no, I just, I'm speaking to those parents and I'm saying, if you are one of those people who will love a spreadsheet and love to do everything efficiently, I'm just, I'm just encouraging you to say, how could I still inject some like Christmas love in this and not right. be like, let's go, it's seven o'clock and we're making cookies from seven to seven twenty-five. Like, don't be that. It's just that don't do that. Too much of Christmas has turned into that. You know why years from now, when either we've gone and and our kids are talking about us gather around the kitchen or or just, you know, at some family reunion and reminiscing is happening. They're going to reminisce about the love injected events of their life. They're going to talk about the presence. The presence that are going to stick with them are the presence that had intent and love and meaning behind them, not the cold efficiency given present. That's not going to stay with them. It's not. That is, it's a disposable thing. It, 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 it... Yeah, I hear your little heart. <laughs> the feeling behind it is the thing that will stick with them. It is the thing that they will talk about when life mar- moves on and the cuptuses gather they're going to talk about the event of that bread baking and what it meant to your grandmother, to your Nana. Not necessarily that she did it like a cold machine every single year. She had to get it out. No, they're going to talk about the meaning behind it. They're going to talk about the event of the thing. That's what life is. It's those little moments of, of it got me this little wind up monkey that, that slams, you know, symbols together and, and, and bounced around on the table. It cost $2.99. It was a piece of garbage. It was, you know, but it meant so much because of X, Y, and Z. It's the X, Y, and Z that they're going to remember that they're going to talk about. I have to tell you this small little thing, Mike, because I think that it, it so goes to what you're saying. Uh, the the care that goes into certain gifts it was funny my mom was here the other day when i was editing the ref and she was literally sitting across the desk from me because she was using my other computer here to print out some stuff for herself so i was listening to myself get choked up and cry in my own ears over the cabbage patch present and she's like sitting across from me and she can't hear because I have my headset on and I'm getting teary now. <laughs> and I was like, I could just keep doing this, but I like paused. Now I'm going to cry. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I was like, I'm talking about the cabbage patch and her eyes like teared up because she remembered like what mm-hmm. they did and that it was like so special. Mm-hmm. I'm like crying. <laughs> uh. Mm hmm. So it matters because she's in her 70s and I'm in my 40s and it mattered what they did when I was, you know, six. It matters. Guys, it matters. It I keep using your spreadsheets, but think about what what you have on the spreadsheet. When you go to cross the thing off that you're so proud that you got done. Think about why. Think about think about the reason that you've crossed that off. And you know what? Listen. 
sometimes you have to supplement your 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 haul with pre-packaged trays of cookies from Sam's. But and that's okay. Not everyone needs a not everyone needs a story behind their thing. But for your loved ones, for the ones that you want to think about why you did what you did years later, you gotta have some meaning behind it. <laughs> Just make sure you're looking at the name and not the names name rank serial number of it all. Why are we crying over Arthur Christmas? Jesus. <laughs> are you crying? I'm I crying. am. I'm just like leaking. You are crying. Look at us crying over Arthur Christmas. Oh, goodness. I think we can definitively say, between the two of us, I mean, it's already made us cry, right? That this is a Christmas movie. We don't even have to, like, go into, like, all the deets of it, right? right. This is a Christmas movie. This revolves around Christmas. This brings up all the warm and fuzzies around Christmas and all the things that kind of threaten the the joy mm. and the spirit of Christmas. I all these different things. Yes. And how easily it is, even when you used to love Christmas and used to really understand it, how that can erode over time right because that that's yes. an important part of the story is because santa at the end when he you know there's something pretty magical about four santas being in gwen's house at the end of the movie oh my goodness when they are all in the closet and the way that the door being cracked open frames them it was i was i it oh my goodness i was like just the three of them standing there with santa in the middle and his two sons mm -hmm. and then grand santa like he's kind of like laying on the floor like he just pops up all the time he, he's such a funny little character grand santa definitely smells like old person <laughs> and mothballs uh, and and maybe some liquid courage smells for too for sure uh, there's some smells on santa. that's true but but still he, he wasn't a garbage can right before that scene so i know oh my god oh my god that scene of being pulled <laughs> Hey guys, and by the way, if, if you're with NORAD or if you're with, you know, some intergovernmental <laughs> defense agency, don't blow up Santa's sled. <laughs> don't blow up anything in the sky on the 24th. Yes! Why is that not a rule? The, 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 the statistical chances of aliens that mean us harm coming on December 24th is very small. Let's give them the benefit of a doubt and let's not uh, 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 create years of therapy bills by blowing up Santa's sled, his 1845 balsa wood sled uh, over, over Trulu, England. Let's not do that, guys. Come on. Right. Oh, right. my God. Uh, yeah, so there's something really magical about those four Santas. And Santa, current Santa, Malcolm Santa, he remembers. He finally remembers why he he really is Arthur 70 years later, right? He, re he really does remember why he loved being Santa at the end of the movie. And that's one of the lessons of this movie, I think, for, for us as we get older is hold it on, hold on to it. And, and be aware that you can lose it. It can erode. And if if you're not paying attention, you'll turn into the fruitcake guy without meaning. You'll turn into the spreadsheet without meaning. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen to you. Okay. So we're ready for some fast facts? There's actually not a ton of fast facts about this. because So so let me go through this for one because I'm curious your thought. Uh, when Grand Santa is flying and they're going through Toronto, right before the Mad Dash through Toronto – uh, he's he's kind of giving Arthur some lore that he didn't really even know about his family, the tradition of the Claus men and how the son always goes on a Santa ride in the sleigh in the, in the 1845 sleigh before the S1, you know, super ship came about. They would learn 
uh, about what it is to be Santa, literally at the feet of the current Santa in the sleigh, and they go on that ride. And and we learn that Steve never did that with the current Santa. Current Santa did that with Grand Santa. Steve never did that with the current Santa. And I'm curious if you had the thought that is that why Steve approaches Christmas the way he does versus the way Grand Santa, Malcolm Santa, and and Arthur is inclined to is there some magic bestowed by the sled and that experience that intangible the intangible nature of a son learning at his father's heel about the magic of the family business that was denied steve that a a secret ingredient a, a dust that was never put upon him Mm, I like that the idea of this like tangible dust kind of thing to be to to make it make sense for younger people. But I think as a, as adults, I think that they represent like the the book smarts versus street smarts. You know, learning about it versus living it. And Steve is the epitome of you can be well studied and you can be well cultured and everything else. But if you don't get out there and do an experience and be with people, then you know you you're never going to get it. You're never going to understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and Arthur, Arthur knows tons about Christmas, but he is so in touch with the people of Christmas, yes. you know, the the children specifically. Right, because he's writing all the response letters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's so he's had contact with the people of Christmas, the children the whole time because of that, even even having not written in the slide. But he still he maintains that part because of that little position he holds. Just as an aside, and because I can't deal with crying more, and it's a whole other episode. Oh, there's no. a huge theme in this movie about fathers and sons, and and disappointing your son. Uh, you know that this idea of your son looking at you and realizing he you are nothing like he thought you were, and in mm. fact you were maybe a complete fraud to what he thought you were. There's a whole episode, a discussion, an Oprah episode to be sure in that and i'm not going to get into that now because i won't be able to do anything the rest of today but be for sure think about the guy who is spending the beginning of this movie and writing all these letters santa is real my father is real and he is the greatest man who's ever lived and then think about the journey that arthur goes on the emotional butt-kicking journey that he goes on as visit be his father in this yeah. movie it's a lot And and laying on the beach and just having that whole realization. A complete existential crisis and loss of faith. Mm -hmm. I I mean, just just he doesn't care. He's not who I thought he was. He is. He's he's not. He's not the greatest man that ever lived. That's world shattering as a son to realize about their father. And as for a father to realize about that's what their son thinks of them. Earth shattering. And I can't even. Anyway, yeah, so I, I, so I think the magic of the sled, this movie is chock full of magic and we'll talk yeah, about Yeah, which is one huge yay because we miss that in a lot of these movies, actually. Mm. Movies that we've called Christmas movies, sometimes, you know, or the majority of them, I'll even say, didn't have that part where you sprinkle the magic dust, you know? And yeah. and there's something about that that I need, you know? I love it. I, I love the magic dust concept. It, well, it, it definitely helps transport you to the world and joy and spirit of Christmas, which is why we wanted to do this podcast for an entire year, because there's plenty of times during the course of a year where you need the magic of Christmas. It's not... Christmas is just a day on the calendar, but it's not. The magic of Christmas is what's is what transcends it. It's what makes it more than just a day on the calendar. 
It's what makes it different than the other 364, 365 in a leap year days of the year. The magic of it. And so this movie gives us chock full of that magic. Agreed. And and to the trivia portion real quick, just just a little bit. There was the one comment that they actually tie back to um, to that is a real historical moment that they tie back into the lore of Christmas that 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 Christmas had to be canceled for several years in 1816 because of a sighting a child saw. Santa, and so they had to like go like lay low for, for a six couple years, of years for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so if you look it up in 1816, there there is actual basis for that in England. Has to do with famine. Has to do with a climate catastrophe, basically that started with a volcano, and 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 that it did change everything for a while. And so for that, I, I definitely encourage people to like go Google it, go check out what happened in 1816 in England, and you'll be shocked. And and that there is some basis for canceling Christmas. Throughout history, there's been different different situations, but Cromwell specifically. And I, you know, I think that it's fascinating that they kind of wove that in and actually tried to make it into like it's because a kid saw Santa rather than these other environmental and political and religious reasons that were going on in the world. Uh, fascinating. Definitely take a look for that. It's something I didn't expect to have in this movie. Uh, I think the only fast fact that I'm going to contribute here is over the name tree, uh, Trulu, um, because this is one of those goofs that plenty of people in IMDb with nothing to do and and cold coal in their hearts uh, spend a lot of time talking about the fact that there's no Trulu Mexico. There is a Trulu Argentina, um, which is true. Um, so there's actually a, an obscure bit of Welsh history. Uh, there's a Mimosa Avenue in Trulu, and in 1865, about 150 Welsh emigrants sailed on the ship Mimosa to ba- Patagonia, Argentina. There, once they landed, they founded a town called Trulu, where there's now a street called Mimosa after the ship. And so the screenwriter... Uh, uh, Peter Bainham, uh, he postulated an avenue by the name of Trelew in Cornwall to complete the confusion between the two locations, because that's a running gag in the movie is that they keep winding up in Trelew, Mexico, Yeah, right. which is weird that they pick Trelew, Mexico when there really is a Trelew, Argentina. But the idea that there are two Trelews in the world is a, is a true fact. So That's funny. How wacky. Yeah. All right, Mike, are you ready to do some Jingle Ball ratings? Uh, yes, but I want to play you a clip from next week's movie first. Let's hear it. What are you doing with that? It's my protection against the seaside strangler. Oh, give me that, honey. We don't know anything about guns. Oh, Felix, I could have sold that Santa Claus suit and bought our baby a car seat. We don't even have a car. Besides, what was I supposed to wear? You cut up all my clothes. I was mad. Honey, you were mad the day we met. A man on the boardwalk comes up to me and says, smile, a total stranger. Yeah, and you screamed at him, shut up! (laughs) Remember? I did, didn't I? (laughs) Yeah, you were right to. But it was a total invasion of your privacy. It it was. (laughs) Hey, look what I got for you. This means we can have the baby in the hospital for free. All we have to do is swear that we're completely broken, have absolutely no way of supporting ourselves, and never will. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> this is uh, this is a little bit of an underground movie that some people have seen and a lot of people haven't. It is 1994's Mixed Nuts, uh, starring Steve oh, Martin and okay. a tremendously stacked cast of people that uh, you would swear have never been in a movie together, but 
there they go. They actually have. Yeah, Mixed Nuts 1994. It's a California-based Christmas movie. So it's very hot. Lots of shorts wearing in it, but also lots of Christmas trees. So, All right, give me some Jingle Bell ratings. You're up first. Okay. I'm giving Arthur Christmas an eight Jingle Bell ratings. My instinct is actually to go a little bit higher, but I don't know how I'm going to feel about it You know, in a, in a few weeks from now. But right now, anyway, I'm going with an eight. I think for kids... Kids are going to like this because there's a ton of action. There is a lot of fun stuff. Uh, there's a lot of action sequences for kids to get into. Uh, it's impressive. The S1 ship, the North, the Mi- Mission Control. Uh, you know, I think kids are going to be wowed by the spectacle of learning how the organization of Santa Inc. works. And I think they're going to get a kick out of like feeling like they're getting that like pull behind the curtain. But there's also a lot of fun action sequences The where there's a waker emergency where Santa has his head on the uh, mooing animal toy and then they they go through like that Mission Impossible-esque like surgery. That but- was Jack's most favorite entire portion it's hysterical and then when when it ends with a line with uh the milkmaid has her own power source yes i, I snorted i was drinking coffee at the time and i snorted coffee out across my I lap that too. it was so fun you know I love it was... the schematics up on the thing of yeah. like the moo moo cow and the whole thing and then yeah. my favorite too is like we have to get past the wrapping paper and 14 twist ties yeah it, I love those twist ties so frustrating the twist ties is such a visceral reaction as a parent uh, that i never had as a kid yeah it actually fingers the, the the humor here and the set pieces here reminded me a lot of what makes Toy Story so magical because yeah. it takes it takes these kid like things and heightens them into adult level emergencies. This, yeah, uh, the, you and know, like missions and and uh, right. operational things that they need to be taken care of. Right, exactly, exactly. Right. So, and that's what like makes Toy Story kind of magical too. Is we have to get out of the bedroom. Well, that's right. not a, like for adults. That's not like a thing, but for little toys, it's a thing. So this movie takes those kid the what's what's what would be a, a red alarm you know fire alarm fire emergency for a kid and heightens it to the way an adult would deal with it. I think works for kids. I think as an parent as an adult this movie works to remind you of what christmas is about the right spirit of christmas or at least what i think is the right spirit of christmas versus the pitfalls and the dangers and you said it beautifully beautifully before the things that can run interference and intercede and distract us specifically threaten christmas that can threaten christmas and threaten the spirit and intent of christmas so i think this movie is a good reminder of that and better than a lot that maybe have tackled the subject so for that, I'm giving it an eight Jingle Bell rating. I love that. I actually have written down an eight myself. I very much did enjoy them trying to tackle questions that have been asked throughout all the Christmas movies. How does Santa get around the world? I also appreciated that they tackled how does he get in? And, you know, them using the little the tech to get in and the scene with the the multiple Santas where one's coming down the chimney and one's going in the the using the tech to get in and one's using this, you know, other ways. It's, it was interesting, like over the years to see how that would have evolved um, in storytelling telling that was fun and and i i thought all the elves when my most favorite was when they were showing actually all the elves going through and like dropping the presents and 73 percent you know nice and so we get 73 percent in the stocking and just all that stuff i thought it was all funny and clever and imaginative and i'm all for that i'm i'm knocking it on a couple things um the severe 
misogynistic slant. It actually opened my eyes between what was going on in 2011 versus what's going on in 2021. Um, I mean, it's it's been 10 years, but 10 years made a big difference. I don't know that this movie makes it past executive producers would say, I'm going to put my money on that. Um, because I don't think you can have people say lines like that now, especially not in children's movies and, and all this stuff, like where, where you're, this is Santa Claus saying this, this isn't a villain, you know, um, I don't think it flies. I, and I'm also, I have to give it a little bit of a knock because it is so um, specific to British humor and life, I guess I want to say, that I could see where it would do very, very well. Whereas, um, you know, families in other parts of the world might be like, I don't, I'm not quite sure what, it, what is this structure of this family or whatever? Like, I get it from a certain POV, but it's a very small slice of the pie. So, um, so I think it has to go down a little bit on our list for that, like universal, you know, would everybody love this quality? I, I think on the misogyny point, I, I did not remark in, in my rating, but it's, it's an important point to raise. And, you know, it's important, I think, to also have that discussion and, and especially in 2021 and, and with kids today. I know if I had watched this with Tom, I didn't. But if I had watched this with Tom, I would have had to stop there and been like, what's wrong with that scene? And, yes. and, and talk it out because that's something that shouldn't just be allowed to fly because even if it doesn't sink in on a meaning level, the idea that a kid would watch that and then repeat that, well, Santa said it, yeah. is is a, how do you tell a kid not to repeat something Santa said? Yeah. And and so I think it's important to stop and, and talk about why that's not okay ever. It's never been okay, but certainly in today's world, it is not okay for for that kind of thought to just go unchecked. It was interesting because I actually used that scene where Mrs. Claus wraps her own present in bed and hands it to Santa and he hands it back with my own kids. And I said, do you realize that a lot of moms, this is how it's like for them? Like nobody does think about them. And they all did be like, that's really like sad. And so for me, I tried to try to twist it on his head and be like, you know, I, I see that I didn't focus on the fact that Santa was kind of was the perpetrator of that. But I was just like, you know, it's not sad that you would have to wrap your own present and give it back to your own self. Like that's, that's really not okay. And there was a lot there of talking about being a thoughtful gift giver. So there's, there's moments here, but you definitely want to watch with, with your kid if you want to have those moments. Otherwise, you're right. You just stand the chance of them repeating a very unappealing comment that a quote unquote Santa said. And it's easy. I mean, I also think it's easy enough to use as teachable moments because it's not like Santa is otherwise coming off as this unimpeachable character. So that your kids are already going to get a feeling that there's something wrong with Santa. There's something, there's something not right with Santa versus what they have in their head probably as an idea of Santa. So mm -hmm. I think it's easy enough to stop it and be like, well, here's an example where Santa's maybe not taking the right tact, especially in how he treats his wife or how he treats Arthur. I, and if I ever heard my kid repeat Grand Santa and say, uh, you know, and uh, we didn't think we could teach women to read... Uh, mm, mm. <laughs> maybe having a visit with the soap from uh, a Christmas story. Would, that would be a moment for sure. So, so that's that's some serious issues in this. Um, again, maybe you can chalk it up to British humor. Maybe you can just chalk it up to to the the specific makers of this movies, Armands. You know the way that they present humor. But uh, but there's something there that that could be abrasive for for families. Well, this was a roller coaster, Mike. I laughed. I cried. I had concerns. It, it was a lot. This was. A lot for just like a small little cartoon movie you know there's something I like i always like going to a movie that i've seen before and talking about it and just seeing how it hits me again but i forget all the time there's something really interesting about going 
into movies I've never seen before. And I mean, you guys listening are getting literally that first take. Uh, I've not sat with this. I've not spent a ton of time breaking it down and processing in my head. So you're getting kind of a raw response to it, but it also feels kind of good sometimes to do that too. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad that we have this format to do it in. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Thank you for listening to the 52 weeks of Christmas podcast. If you could head to Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate review and subscribe, that would be fantastic. And if you could, while you're there, leave us a five-star rating. We would really appreciate it so that we don't have to sprinkle magic dust on you and float you up, up, up and away thanks for listening thank you for listening this has been an original pod clubhouse production pod clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com rate review and subscribe to our podcast feeds on apple podcasts follow us on twitter instagram and facebook you can find us at pod clubhouse Our DMs are always open and we'd love to hear from you.